0: Welcome to Season 5 of Siren Sundays with me, your host, Lashanti the Siren. This show is focused on speaking with researchers, scientists, and practitioners of the environmental sector who study environmental science and work on all things conservation in the Bahamas. You are now tuning into our conservation conversation with today's guest, Dr. Anselino Davis, who is the Senior Science Officer at the Bahamas National Trust, as well as the Policy Analyst. Welcome.
1: Thank you very much, Lashanti. It's great to be back on Siren Sundays. And I hope that everyone that's tuning in is ready to learn a little bit about science and conservation in the Bahamas.
0: Definitely. For all of our viewers who are watching live, definitely feel free to pop a shout out in the comments. I have some true few that I can already see um, right there. And to all of our podcast listeners, although you are not tuning in live, you'll still get all the great stuff from Jasmine Rain, who says, and we're back. Uh, Denise Jeff Graham says, good afternoon and a good yay. We also have a cartwheel from Jasmine Rain. So let's dive right in. So Dr. Davis, just quickly for everyone listening, everyone watching, just give us a quick introduction of who you are, your title, and where you work.
1: So I'm Dr. Anselino Davis, born, bred, and dad Bahamian. (laughs) Um, I work for the Bahamas National Trust as the senior scientist and policy analyst now. Um, I grew up in the Bahamas, went to SAC, uh, went to UB, (laughs) Um, I went, I did some research in the Bahamas first, and then I went off to university in Maryland to do my bachelor's and master's. I finished each of those in about a year and a half and I came home thought I was going to change the world. Um, I, uh, vacuumed sea lion poop for a while, <laughs> um, because it was hard to find a job. Uh, but then I started working with the nature conservancy. Um, Birds Caribbean. I um, eventually went off and did my PhD and I came back and I worked in the commercial sector for a while at Blue Lagoon Island. I was their sustainability coordinator and then um, COVID and Dorian and the world fell apart. I did a little um, 360, started my own um, environmental um, consulting uh, company and education thing. Uh, called Science and Perspective, and now I finally landed at the Bahamas National Trust, which is um, one of the premier leaders in environmental conservation in the Bahamas—a really old, long-standing organization. And we have a lot of Bahamian scientists working yeah. at the trust, and so it's it's really good to be in this um, in this team and working on on all these important. Uh, environmental issues now.
0: Definitely. I know one of the things we talked about right before the show started was how you've seen this growth where before, if you were a young Bahamian interested in anything environmental, there were not many other Bahamians already in the field. Whereas now, when I kind of look back and I see like some, most of my coworkers are Bahamians, like you said, the Bahamas National Trust, when I was there, it was so amazing to see all these wonderful Bahamians, so passionate about what they do. Um, And and it's getting even better because now we're trying to engage more young Bahamians, even some of the older Bahamians, because it really doesn't take much to get involved. You don't have to have studied sciences to get involved in conservation.
1: No, and I really that that's one of the coolest things that I realize is that me growing up, I was looking at Bill Nye, the science guy, um, David Suzuki on the nature of things. Um, so David Attenborough, Um, Steve Irwin the crocodile hunter and Mm -hmm. I was like oh that's super cool like how can I do this and and people were like dude you get in science you need to be a doctor or a dentist yeah maybe a veterinarian on the outside (laughs) but now when I tell someone like hey I'm Dr. Davis I'm not a medical doctor I'm an ecologist so I work Mm -hmm. with animals and plants and then they're like oh you know Scott Johnson Mm-hmm. You know, and and I'm like I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know Scott Johnson, and it's cool to know that people are seeing us mm-hmm. out there now, right? Yeah. Or when I go through the airport and I they, I have this one um, airport security, it was like he's like, oh, you caught that spider out of your watch, and I'm like I'm like, what are you talking about? Because she had watched a video with me trying yeah. to get a spider out of my watch, and mm-hmm. it's like they're actually paying attention and seeing that Bahamians can be scientists now. I think that's super cool. Right.
0: And yes, a lovely comment from D'Angelo Reed. Uh, Rest (laughs) in peace, crocodile hunter. But what you just said, and we're going to jump into the topic soon, but I also think um, what you just said was so important. And I know you made a post about this because everyone's been talking about how Encanto has been so good for representation. And even same thing for me growing up, it was Phil not the science guy. It was Steve Irwin. It was always these older white males. And now we're seeing more people of color in the sciences, we're seeing more females in the sciences, and we're seeing all these different expressions of identity getting involved in the science sphere. And I think that's been so encouraging for young people to see that there is somebody like them doing the things that they want to do and the things that they're interested in. So we represent it out here. (laughs) Yeah,
1: we are, and especially in the Bahamas. I mean, Mm -hmm. you have Dr. Krista Sherman um, at PIMS. You have uh, Eleanor Phillips and Felicity Burrows. um, Mm almost the whole uh, TNC Bahamas <laughs> and the Caribbean leadership team is Bahamian and, and female yeah. as well. So that, I think that's super, super exciting. And it really speaks to how committed and dedicated our community is and how passionate um, the group of individuals that we have here are. And yourself, like, you know, <laughs> doing this. It, you're, this is season five,
0: is it? Jeepers creepers. Every Jeepers. time I hear that, I'm like, One of my main motivations, and shout out to Lindy Knowles. When I first started this show, I was like, Lindy, please be on my first season. And he's like, Lashanti, if you make it to season 10, I will be your debut episode on season 10. So season five, we are here. Season 10 is- Halfway there. (laughs) Halfway there. Halfway there. Yeah. So it definitely, science communications is very important. And I think I think I found a nice little niche, you know, not a lot of people are doing it. We have some people that are, but um, it definitely creates an an atmosphere to get the public aware of what we're doing, whether they want to get involved or not. That awareness is always so important um, because that's how you find people who could potentially volunteer, whether it's a one-time basis or something a bit more consistent. That's also how you get people to help push some of the issues that we're trying to get and also understand these issues because everyone has their impacts that they have on the world. And all we need to do is to let them know what that is and how they can help make our Country,
1: bluer and greener. Yeah and that's I think that's a great um, segue into what science education is, right And exactly. you're doing this now where your show is letting you know tons of Bahamian people know kind of the bare minimum how do you operate mm-hmm. as a conscientious individual in the Bahamian environment? know what's what's going on, mm-hmm. who's involved, how can you get involved? And that's that's really that's really important. Okay. Then you have another level where you have students that are coming up in science, and you want them to be engaged and impassioned to follow a scientific career if that's what they're interested in and good at.
0: Mm-hmm. You have
1: uh, Charlene Carey put out a science textbook. She did. Uh, yeah, for for the Bahamas. And this is the first time that you can have a student studying from a book that isn't elephants and kangaroos, right? Is lobster and sharks and sawfish and stuff like that. And you're like, yo, this is cool. This is, this is our environment. And I can study the book and then I can go out in the bush. Or you have the, um, the Bahamas Natural History, the Natural History of the Bahamas Field Guide that mm-hmm. um, the Bahamas National Trust put out. And I didn't have those when I was growing up. But now you have those to go into school with. Mm -hmm. And we have a sustainability degree at the University of the Bahamas. And so, so now I'm seeing all of these cool new developments where every level of Bahamian society can be more engaged in science and conservation. And yeah, eventually you have a student that just can wander into the Bahamas National Trust and they have a cool map and a book that's actually their environment And then they get involved and eventually you get them, they might not take a science degree because they wanna be an MP or something like that. But now they have this in the back of their head, like, yo, when I get to be the minister for this constituency, I'm not gonna chop down the mangroves, right?
0: I'm Mm -hmm. gonna
1: be hard on the litter bugs and the people who are, you know, like killing and pillaging our environment. And that sometimes is even more powerful Like, yeah, it it would be nice to have like too many PhDs running around. But at the end of the day, I would rather every Bahamian have a science BGCSE or BJC level of understanding Mm -hmm. and and conservation than for all of us to be at PhD level arguing about why we changed the name for (laughs) Conk. You know?
0: Oh my goodness. When I made that post, because people don't realize. We have been so far from strombus gigas that it's ridiculous. Some people are still saying strombus, some people are still saying Labatus, It is aliger gigas, guys. Let's get it together. But as we jump into the topic, um, today we are talking about science standards in monitoring conservation education in the Bahamas. So can you tell us what are science standards exactly?
1: So when I think of science standards, <clears throat> I definitely think of a few different key elements. One, they have to be objective and defined.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So saying that queen conch is queen conch, for example, right? It's defined by all of these morphologies of the shell and the body and their um, digestive system and all of this stuff, right? Um, that That is objective. Anyone that looks at this conch can measure these dimensions and stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it has to be defined. So... If I say conch here and someone says conch somewhere else, they might mean two different things. But then in the scientific community, when you say Lobatus Gigas, or you say aliger Gigas, they're going to be able to say that is a scientific name
0: mm-hmm.
1: that was described in the literature per this person and X date, and it refers to this specific species. And that And when something is a species, that means it can only mate with others of that same species. And that's really the main scientific definition of any animal or plant or whatever that that is really important. Mm -hmm. Um, So they have to be objective and they have to be defined. Also, you have something like a ruler, right? Uh, A ruler. When you define what a meter is. Or you define what a micron is, and you say this is based on X billion times the width of a hydrogen atom. Ain't mm-hmm. nobody can change a hydrogen atom like like that's that's standardized. That's that's yeah. permanent. And you want it to be measurable. So if you have a scientific um, standard and you can't measure it, that doesn't that doesn't make any sense right you can't I can't talk to you about, oh, this species of birds, their population increased if we don't never like really agreed on what is an increase or a decrease, mm-hmm. what is a number like
0: mm-hmm.
1: we have to have these standards from the beginning right and you you define the distance between two locations, the volume um you want to say how many uh uh elements of pollution are in your water, right you know, grams per liter or whatever. And if it's not measurable, you can't really report it. It's not science. You can't measure any change if you can't measure um, what it is before and what it is after. It has to be replicable. So if I go and measure something and I say, oh, like I found that this species is at, 8 million pairs, and I did it this way, and this is what I got. And someone else goes and does exactly that same thing. Mm-hmm. And they you get 2,000 pairs, and you're like, you know, I did exactly <laughs> what you said, but it didn't work out like that. Right? It's, it's not replicable because maybe you did something weird, you didn't follow the standards correctly or something like that. And so we want these things to be replicable uh, so that people can show that I did exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. These are the results I got. And over time, you get a bunch of people um, replicating your same activity and you get an average or an estimate of what the truth actually is. Right. And that's that's really the key because now in the Bahamas, we no longer have one foreign scientists coming down for two weeks a year looking at birds. We have 50, 60 Bahamian scientists all year round looking at birds. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: and so now you have this replication of this measurable um, environmental factor. Right. Then we're talking about accuracy and precision. So precision means you hit the same spot again and again. You might be off, you know. I you might you might hit two inches left of the bullseye, but if you hit it all the time, again and again, right? As things change, that might go up, it might go down, <clears throat> but you're using the same you using the same bent ruler all the time. You can see that there's a change, but we also want to be accurate, so we want to make sure that. If I send someone out into the field and I say, hey, tell me what birds are there. And you come back and you tell me, oh, it was, you know, a bunch of rock pigeons and a bunch of collared doves.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: I say, "Okay, cool. And you always you always give me the same report. Then one day I find out that you are not accurate. You are calling these birds rock pigeons all the time, but they are actually like a pied imperial pigeon or something like that. (laughs) Right so so now, <laughs> yeah yeah, so so it's it's not you were precise. you you were saying the same thing. you were identifying it the same way each time, mm-hmm. but you were inaccurate. right. And it can be the same thing with our rulers or our measurements. Um, if we're detecting pollution in the environment, if we're identifying coral or fish. So we want to train our scientists so that they' are both accurate and precise and we want to make sure that the standards are in place so that they can be replicated. Um, We have 700 islands. If that isn't replication, I don't know what is, right? Um, (laughs) And and yeah, we want it to be something that's actually measurable because you can't enforce um, any law or conservation if it's not measurable. If you Mm -hmm. leave it up to whoever's in charge to say, like, oh, yeah, they did it right or didn't do it right, and you can't go back and say, Oh, on this date, they found this much oil in the water around this area. And then on this date, they found this much petroleum products. And that signifies a significant change from the natural background levels. Right. That, like, you have to be able to provide that before you can penalize someone, before you can take that to their insurance company to say, hey, your your people mess this up. So, You know what we can do right Right. um i think we have to have all of those those elements in science standards
0: right and so when we talk about science standards and conservation i know you started to touch on it when you were like if someone goes to an area and they say they see 10 rock pigeons but it's actually pied imperial another pigeon um that can really alter monitoring but when we look at conservation obviously we look at things that we are trying to keep around so, like commercially important fish species, or species that are important to the ecology of an area, what are some of the science standards used in conservation?
1: Okay, so so most definitely um, species definitions, those are key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if a lot of times people will come and tell you, like, oh, there's a, I don't know, there's 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 a cobra in the Bahamas. <laughs>
0: Yes, that one happens a
1: lot. (laughs) And so if the person that's reporting to you does not have these proper definitions or this understanding of the environment, then um, really that invalidates some of the Mm -hmm. reporting. In conservation, the key elements that I think beyond those that I already discussed for science standards in general, Mm -hmm. you need to have standards that are feasible and that are valid for a conservation purpose. So as scientists, I want to know everything. I just been digging inside a termite nest the other day because I wanted to see like what their internal chambers look like and stuff mm-hmm. like that.
0: Don't do this. Don't yeah. do this at home, people.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not please wrecking Don't it. go digging <laughs> up yeah, no termite yeah.
0: mound. Dr. Davis is a scientist.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I everyone do-
0: can't do that. So please, I think you, you made a video, correctly. Like, please share that so people don't get tempted to do the same.
1: I I yeah I did make a video. It's yeah. I know it's like knocking around in WhatsApp world, but um, I'll try to make sure that it's available online. Um, but that again is not feasible for any and everyone to go poking around inside a termite mound. Exactly. And it doesn't really have a valid conservation purpose. What I was doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, When we're talking about feasibility, conservation, especially in the Bahamas, we have very little conservation resources compared to the area that we need to protect. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't feel good about wasting $8 million to find out, you know, if birds in the Bahamian bush like the taste of this type of bird food versus that type of bird food. That's not a conservation purpose. Right. Also, in fees, in terms of feasibility, you know, can we get out and actually survey enough birds to make that a valid a valid research project? Mm-hmm. Some things are becoming more feasible, so you can now use satellite imagery for the Bahamas, or you can use remote sensed imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people that you can pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to fly planes over your area and take like really cool hyper detail images and snapshots but you could also use that you know eight hundred thousand dollars to pay a bahamian to actually um like be in the forest and do the conservation work for five yeah. to ten years mm-hmm. right and so you're you're thinking what is this balance of feasibility and what is you know how much can you get done for um how much buying can you get for your buck? And a lot of technology is making things more feasible for monitoring and conservation. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's what I'm looking for now. I want us to be doing robust science, mm-hmm. but then also looking at the feasibility and the cost return.
0: Right. And, and just to add to your topic, there's a comment um, from YouTube. Today there are people saying they saw a lion in Anagua. Uh, I haven't heard about that, but I highly doubt <laughs> that is an actual lion. But as you were saying earlier, like some people will start to say mm-hmm. we saw a cobra. And again, shout out to Scott Johnson, who actually posted the video of the racer saying this is a racer. This is what mm-hmm. they do. And so I don't know what it is that they're seeing in an right now. But I'm, maybe it's a maybe it's a, a feral pig that's very, very feral, like very hairy. Yeah, I
1: would like that. Would, all the yeah. many, like growing up and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And. I'm, I'm pretty sure people in Inagua know what a uh, wild pig looked like, though. Um, That's
0: true. Hmm. Yeah, so they did have. I think Inagua had crocodiles or alligators at one point.
1: Several Bahamian is islands have had alligators um, pop up, and um, we used to have we used to have a I think it was a crocodile that used to run around in the bush, like like on all fours, like upright, like a dog, instead of like crawling on his belly.
0: I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, and Where? so because huh, we. No, this this is like pre-Columbian.
0: Oh.
1: So this is like like historical. And they found oh. <laughs> they found these fossils in blue holes in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um but things like that we don't even know about because we're not studying that in the Bahamas, right? Mm-hmm. But but we have visitors who come down and learn about these things. Shout out to our marine archaeologists, um, like Dr. Michael Pateman. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Amen. Bahamas Caves Foundation, um, there, yeah, it's, there's some really awesome work that's going on in the Bahamas, but mm-hmm. sometimes we don't get to know about it because we're not educating like that. Right.
0: And, and I agree to Angela Reed, tech conservation for the win. Um, I've had my hand with a drone before and it's definitely easier to fly a drone over some mangroves and to explore them. Um, but as Most we, definitely. as we talk a bit about the, uh, yeah, the mm-hmm. education aspect of this, how how do we properly educate behemoths in some of these standards because as we've said many times on many episodes anyone can help with some of this scientific research collection this data collection because all it takes is learning like you said these proper scientific standards so that when you collect the data you're collecting it accurately and it's it's trustworthy because i think that's also an issue like you can say oh there's a line in an agua but do you do you really know if it's a line like are you (laughs) are you qualified to really say this is a line like you know like like, yeah. Can we talk about that when it comes to educating the, the typical Bahamian who's not in the science sector?
1: So um, so before we get into that, uh, I want to say any Bahamian who's like taking these videos, like your video is going to be living online for the next 10 years. Always say where, when, who, what and why. Right. So where are you taking this video? What date is it? Who mm-hmm. are you? What what are you trying to film in this video and why? So right. every year you're going to see a video of a hammerhead at Montague. Mm-hmm. And the person is just like super excited about this hammerhead. Or you'll see um, someone dumping in the bush. You need to say, I am Dr. Anselino Davis. I'm out here at Montague for sure. This is an uh, octopus that just stole my GoPro. Um, and I'm taking this so that you can see that octopus aren't natural thieves, they're just interested, and he gave mm-hmm. it back. Let people know the whole story. So if someone needs to follow up or find out what exactly was going on in that video, correct mm-hmm. you if need be, um, and help you identify this lion that you see in Inagua, um, or even capture it, they need to know where it was, when yeah. it was seen there, etc. Um, <clears throat> but something simple like that in reporting for science let's let's get that into the education system right we always tell our students that you have to head up the page and your on your book right like this is my name i mm-hmm. did this assignment on this date and i'm following these procedures that's what science really is yeah and you have to have a record um let's get let's get into that system and we're doing it more we have a uh, digitization um, uh, team now in the Bahamas for government stuff and they're making these digital records available. Um, That is, that is really epic for our our little country.
0: Yes. Because our maps. Yeah. Like lands and surveys alone and shout out to anybody in Facebook, YouTube land listening live, any of the podcast people listening later. If you have expertise in digitizing maps, please go and help lands and surveys because every time I've had to go for a map of any Island, anytime I have to get a physical copy of a physical map that is stored somewhere. Sometimes it's misplaced of these things. And I think that's so dangerous because what if God forbid, there's a flood, the building catch on fire, we'll lose these maps, you know? Mm -hmm. So anyway, shout out to anyone who can digitize maps.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And there, there's so many things like, like, replication, um, redundancies of your records, things like that. Um, so record keeping, um, digital records, that's that's a huge thing in science now. Um, mm-hmm. Big data. Um, but yeah, for science and conservation education in the Bahamas, definitely <clears throat> thinking at multiple levels. Like I said, you can talk to primary school students. Oh, send a shout out to Michaela. Um, she's going off to university now, but She's one of the inspirations for science and perspective when I started that because um, I was actually at the Bahamas National Trust volunteering, given a bird tour and she was just a baby then. I could barely understand her, but she's like, she's knee high pointing in the bush at a bird and none of us could see this bird until we got down to her level. And like being able to recognize at that time that You know it's it's a lot of perspective in everything that we do Mm -hmm. at the bahamas national trust we have lots of experts that are really keyed into the environmental issues we now have um uh yeah there's a cartoon now that bnt puts out and you can watch this yeah zuma she you can watch her go and explore the bahamian environment and that's super cool um but that perspective taking understanding that different people come from different environments, different islands, they see things differently. Um, I think that's really cool. Uh, But being able to share that through conservation uh, for primary school kids and then for high school kids, for college level students who are trying to get a job and they're thinking more on that level, for the ministers of parliament who they wanna do good by their community and they also wanna get voted in again next year. You know, and they don't. Yeah. So it's all kinds of things that we have to take into account. But science really, um, it doesn't need to have a bunch of like emotions or conflict or politics behind it, uh, Mm -hmm. for me, at least. Um, Although I sometimes say a lot of things tongue in cheek or um, like sideways, uh, but it's i think it can it can be really fun and you can you can get people excited about it uh, all the time and there's always something cool around you just walk like five feet and you can find some science issue to talk about
0: that's true and so even on that um, how can our viewers or anyone listening um, on the podcast how can they get involved with with any sort of Projects going on, data collection, or even just some citizen science things that people can do. Um, I know the first thing I think about is eBird. I know which is super popular. Uh, mm-hmm. So, can you tell us some of the opportunities that viewers may be able to get involved with?
1: So, most definitely, I'm at the Bahamas National Trust. So, reach out to the Bahamas National Trust. Right? Um, there's gonna be <laughs> there's gonna be questions that you have about conservation or environmental issues that an organization like the Bahamas National Trust can um, share with you what's going on, how you can get involved, and there might be a whole bunch of different things. We have Mm -hmm. things like mangrove plantings. You yourself have done a lot of beach cleanups. We did the 100,000 tree planting initiative together. Um, There are a lot of cool things going on around the Bahamas by many different organizations. The Bahamas National Trust is involved in a lot, but you can join Beings. Um, It's Beings on Facebook and There's almost every um, environmental conservation organization is included in there. So you post a question in there, oh, like, how can I do something cool for the environment? They're gonna definitely hook you up. Um, Reach out to your minister, your uh, your MP. I'm lucky enough to have the Minister of Natural Resources, Vaughn Miller inside my constituency. I like to think he's also lucky enough to have me in his constituency. Same. <laughs> um, but in, in Adelaide, they're starting a green space. And so these are things that, like, you have a minister of parliament for your area and the squeaky wheel gets greased. So go and harass them about, you know, having a natural area in your community, getting more engaged. Um, there's a lot of different ways that you can participate um, uh there are, I think there's an art exhibition coming up.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. In the National Art Gallery.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. So think about, think about these things that you can engage with just the discussion even mm-hmm. and talk to your friends on Facebook. Let them know that these issues are important to you. You'd be surprised at how many of your friends and neighbors have been to the Bahamas National Trust, Our members, um, they worked there before. <laughs> I, I'm always amazed how many of us have, have cycled through these different organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, get involved by calling, by reaching out via social media um, at Bahamas National Trust on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just search Bahamas National Trust. All of those different social media is going to pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, you can definitely reach out to me. Um if you can spell my name Anselino Davis, I'm like the easiest person to find on the internet. Um but it's the
0: same to spell the first couple of times, but you'll you'll get it.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I got there eventually.
1: Yeah. Um and I I mean, yeah, reach out. I think the conservationists in the Bahamas, especially the science communicators and educators, they're the most approachable per- people ever, and you'd always be able to get something out of them. Um, if you're in high school now, definitely look for Charlene Carey's um, science book, science textbook for for high school. Um, it's a it's an amazing book, and it can really help you to answer some of those questions that you need and get that that stellar grade on your BGCSes. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of opportunities, so just reach out, and if we can't help you, I'm sure we can connect you with someone. Who can in your particular field? And science is a huge field. So don't let anyone tell you that you have to be a doctor or a dentist.
0: Amen. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, All of us are connected, Um, we may work at different agencies, but. Similar to, I don't even think of, I can't even think of a plant. But, you know, we're many branches on the same tree. We're the roots of the same tree. We're all connected. And we're all so excited to talk to anybody about any of the stuff that we do because we want to get people interested and we want to get people involved. So you'll definitely find that most people in the environmental and conservation sector are very enthusiastic and very happy to have you come and do something with them and get involved. Mm -hmm. Um, But before we close out, um, the question of the season (laughs) Dr. Davis, who is someone in the sector, whether it be a local or international, that inspires you and why?
1: Mm. Um, I think all the scientists of color and the Caribbean scientists that have left the Caribbean and gone abroad and are doing big things worldwide, I think they are inspiring me today. So uh, we have like Leo Douglas from Jamaica, who's done like really amazing work on the impact of environmental experiences on children. Um, you have uh, Charlene Carey, who left Trinidad and came to the Bahamas and had a stellar career as a science teacher and then made that um, that science book for us. Um, <clears throat> you have uh, Andrew... Oh lot I forget his last name Andrew Clark, I think but he <laughs> <it> um, <laughs> he bred sawfish and sawfish are endangered yeah. uh, worldwide so he can breed sawfish in captivity which had not happened. Mm-hmm. And like to know that he came from working in the lab at Atlantis and now he's world recognized as this this dude who figured oh. out mm-hmm. how to get saw, sawfish through that um, that narrow um, bottleneck of reproduction. Uh, I think that that's really amazingly cool. We yeah, have Bahamians sure. who are doing like aerospace technology and cosmetic science and stuff like that. and they're all over the place. And so you just gotta just google Bahamian and some kind of random science term and I think that's super awesome that, that we're doing these things now and we're we're really on the global on the global scene science-wise, and you you all inspire me, and I'm happy to be a part of the movement.
0: The wave. We're riding the wave. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And do you have any final thoughts for our viewers and listeners? Some inspiration from the field or quote that you love? Just any sort of final thoughts to kind of inspire our viewers?
1: And I think um, right now, uh, there's a there's a lot going on in the world and in the Bahamas in particular right now. Mm-hmm. And I want to encourage everybody to recognize that we're all going through our own battles. Um, and it might be a struggle, but a lot of the environment is free. I get out there and experience your environment um, you know, reach out if you want to go burden. Sometimes it, sometimes you don't want to talk, right? Sometimes you just need to be around someone. And if all of us out there looking at a bird just in that camaraderie, like that's valid. And um, I think if we can spend more time in nature, the the Bahamas National Trust has lots of protected areas um throughout the Bahamas. Go and get a membership for $40, that'll get you one ticket to the movies. You can now mm-hmm. you know, go to the the parks every day all year with your family. Um an experience that I think um that'll be my final thought get out get get outside um enjoy the environment take care of those around you um our little feathered and scaly friends um and just just enjoy just enjoy it um just just find that peace within yourself and i i hope to see all of y'all at the end of this year um get out and breathe
0: definitely and i totally agree um it's my auntie denise uh, this is a great start for the season being outdoors is so important and just to piggyback on your point um, even when I was working at the Bahamas National Trust and my office was based at the Retreat Garden, which is the national park that's on Village Road, every time I walked outside, I feel like I saw something different every single time. And I would take the same path and and you, we don't have like giant like seasonal changes with our nature, but even like on after a rainy day, the next day you see the mushrooms come out and and it's just so many things to see and, and it's so peaceful to even just start your day outside end your day outside. In the middle of the day, eat your lunch outside. Just get outside, breathe in that fresh air, get some more microbes in your body that are good for you, um, and do that. So thank you so much. This was such a great episode. And thank you everyone who is watching and listening for riding the wave with us on another episode of Siren Sundays. Uh, We appreciate you guys. Hope to see you soon. All waves yours, Lashanti the Siren.
1: Thank you, Lashanti. Thank you, everyone. See you next time.
0: Definitely i